Hello, this is Renee, and welcome to my podcast. If you are in an abusive relationship or marriage, please ask God to guide you out safely. No one deserves to be hurt, beaten, abused, emotionally, physically, or mentally. This is something that can go with us for a long way, but I know God is powerful enough to help us to get past that. I talk about God a lot because I do believe in God. And I realize that God has always been in my life, even when I was not aware of it. I don't let people change my thoughts and my views when it comes to God. Most of the time when I'm talking, God comes into the conversation because I'm grateful, I'm thankful. And it's something that he might want me to say at that moment and at that time. I spoke to a young lady on yesterday relating to trying to get marketing help because I'm really not good at marketing my own work. And one thing I don't like doing is trying to, I guess, try to earn money from the podcast. I'm sorry. Maybe I should, but I really don't because I realize that when you read the Bible and God uses prophets to talk to people, they got blessed, but they didn't verbally ask for money just to give someone a word from God. So I actually <laughs> I actually stopped the sponsorships on my podcast for quite a while now and never even thought about putting it back. I love talking to people and I love it when God uses me in a certain way, the way that he wants me to be to speak to those that are listening. And I'm very grateful for those that are listening to this podcast and actually following this podcast. Never saw that coming, but then we never know how God works things out. But getting back to the lady I spoke to yesterday relating to marketing, she was telling me about my book, Shirley, because I was explaining to her that Shirley tells of a little girl going through hardships and growing up with two sisters and a mom. My book, Shirley, is about me. And uh, when God allowed me to write that book, I was able to really see how God not only impacted my life, but how he was a part of our lives. So she said, who is my audience? What am I looking for? I really don't have no choice in that matter. She'll say, well, why don't you go to battered uh, organizations where people get abused and hurt uh, or churches? And I said, okay, I've been to women's centers and I offered to speak at a center to the women to, you know, give them encouragement. But the director of this center looked at me and asked me, did I have a degree in this topic and I looked back at her and I asked her the person with the degree has that person ever been abused or hurt and she got upset and said I don't have to answer that question and then she walked off but before she walked off I told her I have a degree it's just not on paper my degree is that I experienced this personally so I know how 
men and women feel being beaten, abused, and hurt. Because I know what the licks feel like. I know what the cursing feels like. I know what the choking looks uh, feels like. So that makes me qualified to speak to people that have been abused without going into a college or a university to learn about the topic. I experienced it firsthand. So if I go to someone and say, I know what you're going through. I know why you're hurting. I know what you're feeling. Trust me, I know. I don't need no degree for that. God has allowed me to go through pains and hurts in my life to experience them first so that when I talk to someone, they'll know I didn't get a degree in that manner on paper. I got a degree that allowed me to experience it firsthand. None of that was any good, but I'm thankful to God for survivors like me. So when she mentioned about the church, maybe you can go to the churches and do this and do that. I learned a long time ago that some people in the church are not as supportive. You have a few. I ain't going to put everybody down that'll support you. But after that, that's it. Uh, I don't know what the competition is between uh, people trying to move forward and those that are already up there are not willing to help those behind. And I never understood that. I guess you can say that the way that I grew up, I thought mostly everybody looked out for everybody. <laughs> what a huge wake-up call. So when can we start doing that ourselves, becoming unified, support your sister, support your brother, regardless of race? To me, it ain't about race. It's about human beings looking at us as one race. Regardless of the color. I don't want to just go over there and say, okay, I'm going to go help my side. And then there's another side over there that's hurting too. But I don't want to help them because they're not a part of my race. It's whomever wants to help. Shouldn't we help them? Be there for them. Give them a hug when they're crying. Offer comforting words. To tell them, trust God and get out of these circumstances safely. You mean to tell me we stop doing that? Because it's all about money and what we can do for ourselves. Even organizations that are open to people that have been abused. I've been in those, y'all. I mean, I couldn't name how many I've actually been into. Where they put you under strict rules. Um, they uh, make you do chores. I see nothing really wrong with that, you know, helping them. But y'all make so much money, y'all can't pay people to clean up those and offer better activities for those that are in the shelters, like offer GED programs or uh, something helpful. Not just clean up your building, but offer something that is beneficial while they're there to encourage, to inspire curfews. I've been there. Get get there at a certain time and in the mornings, get out. Whether you have a job or not, you have to leave. You can't just be inside the building. I done been out there where it was cold and we riding on the bus 
don't have nowhere else to go because we can't go back into the shelter because you can only go in at a certain time. They want you out. That was the inspiration that God gave me to get off my butt and just <laughs> search for a place to stay. Now you're not by anybody's rules. You don't have to do this and you don't have to do that. But you have a will and a determination in your mind and in your heart to do better and to live better and to strive forward with God's grace and mercy to go way beyond where we started from. So it was almost discouraging because she said that my book, Shirley, that's on Amazon right now, uh, would probably never get noticed because I can't afford advertising and that uh, she's not certain what, how they would find the book not being in the, the general or the category it, that it's supposed to uh, be in. And I said, well, mostly the time I tell people about Shirley and just say, look for it, Shirley by Renee Jackson. I say, you'll know the book because there's a little black girl on this book with a bunch of twigs on her head. I call them antennas because when mama put them in my head, they was pointing in all directions, north, south, east, and west. <laughs> but thank God I didn't look too bad as a little girl. I don't put myself down like bullies used to do me a long time ago. You too black, you too ugly, you too this, you too that. You're the ugly duckling, you this and you that. And that's why when people told me years ago, oh, you're a very nice looking lady. Are you a pretty lady? Oh, you're beautiful. I'm in my mind just like the people that put me down. Oh, they lying. She don't look cute. She don't look that. I started doing that to myself. Because I couldn't take a compliment because so many people told me I was ugly and I'll never be pretty and I'll never be this and I'll never be that. So I was like, but why are people jealous of me? Why are they hating on me? Why they don't want to be around me and all that? Oh, because I'm too ugly. But thank God he showed me when I looked in the mirror, I was not ugly. Even at my age now, thank you, Jesus, I'm not ugly. And even if I was, I wouldn't call myself that. Well, uh, people make fun of the color purple when Celie say that she black, she might be poor and might even be ugly, but she here, right? No, I'm paraphrasing, but she here. So we're here. Not about the, the look, shape, and size. It's to be grateful and thankful to God to still be here. So I'm, I'm, I'm but those that are listening to me, and if you know anything about Maybe marketing or, I don't know. I don't even know how to build my own web website. I let somebody else do it and paid them a lot of money and finally had to close that down. But I would appreciate some tips and some advice from those that are listening to me, if you don't mind. It's not begging, it's really asking. And you send a comment to me or a message to me on my podcast. And I'm sure I'll see it. Or if not, to my email, Germani Productions by rj at yahoo.com. It's spelled like drama, and then D-R-A-M-A-N-I-P-R-O-D-U-C-T-I-O-N-S by rj at yahoo.com. It's Germani Productions by rj at 
yahoo.com because I'm really at a loss now and I know that God does not be in the midst of confusion he'll teach and instruct but you also gotta ask you say we have not because we ask not right so I don't know people that are skilled in that field and the ones that I did ask really didn't want to help I'm not looking at myself as a lost cause and I sure ain't losing my hope for anyone whether they help me or not because I know God is going to get me where I need to be there's a lot of times I just ordered books and just gave them to people because I knew they needed to hear my story. So when she mentioned about the the crowd and the group and who am I to reach, she said most people that have been abused, even if my book was out there, they don't want the abuser to know that they're going to get my book and they want to know why. And most in this world will not admit that they're being abused and that they're hurting and they need help and they're silently crying on the inside, suffering because nobody knows what they're going through. But I'm a witness to say nobody on this earth doesn't know what you're going through unless you tell them. But I know a God that's so powerful, he heard my every cry. He heard my every prayer and he comforted me. And you can hear him saying, do this and do this, but you got to do it in a safe manner. God in his word be saying, follow his instructions. He'll say, listen to him and hear his voice. God is not going to steer us wrong. He's not going to direct us wrong. And I was terrified the first time he told me to get up and run. Take the kids and just go. But I was scared and I was terrified. But I'm listening to him saying, go. You want to stay in here and you want to keep getting hurt? Just go. But I was still scared. I was still nervous. I was still shaky. That's the human side of us. And then when God got me out of that, I was able to take a deep breath of his air. And realize right now I'm safe. Right now, me and my children are safe. The only time we were not safe was when we were in that house or that apartment. Almost 17 years. I know what it feels like to be embarrassed. And I tell people that this person is doing this and that to you. I didn't want my mama to know. Because I ain't want her hurting and crying. Or he go hurt her because he knows where she lives. Didn't want my kids hurt, so I stand in front of them and I take the brunt of everything just to protect my family. Don't think y'all are in this by yourselves. You're hurting. You're crying. You want some relief, but you don't know where to go and where to turn and what to do. I've been there because I didn't know. What am I going to do with all of these kids? Where am I going to go? I didn't like living in a shelter under the rules and obligations. None of that. I felt like I was too good to even be in there. But I would be in there just so that me and my kids could be safe. And we had a place to sleep and we had something to eat.
But my goal was not to be here in this place forever, but to move forward and get something for me and my kids on our own. It took six months when we went in the shelter. I didn't think I would be there that long. Because I was trying to hold on to a marriage that was killing me and hoping I could go back at least to that house because I bought all this furniture. I bought these TVs, these radios, all this stuff was mine. And God was like, leave all of that alone. I can give it all back to you. I got rid of my wedding rings. I had more than one set because at first I bought my own wedding set. And then when I got married, my husband bought that set. I pawned all of that to take care of my family and didn't go back and get it. I pawned the TVs, uh, everything else, and didn't go back to get it. I had this beautiful sofa set that was black and silver, so pretty. I didn't want to even give up on that. Brand new bed. I didn't want to give up on that. Had a nice CD player at the time, playing gospel music on it. And I did it so many times every Sunday that my husband just finally went in there and knocked it off the table and broke the CD player. Because he didn't want me praising God the way I was. Because I felt more comfort praising God. I felt more joy and happiness in my heart and in my mind for me and my kids praising God than to keep thinking over and over and over again what he was doing to me and how he was doing it to me. I wanted to praise God so I wouldn't have to think about any of that. And he broke that CD player so I couldn't play that music anymore. But at that time, that music helped me. Praising God helped me. And reading and learning his word helped me even more. God is awesome, loving and caring. He's a provider. I know he is. He's never let me down. And right when it seemed like things is not going to work and it's not going to happen, he's right there and he steps in. He said he'll never leave us nor forsaken us. I, I, I'm always all over the place because God allows me to say what he, he wants me to say in my mind and in my heart. Yeah, I wanna I wanna succeed at a lot of things. I wanna leave things behind for my children. I'm not too old for that. Like I said before, God used Moses and he was eighty years old. Abraham, one hundred. So don't never give up on your your dreams and your goals and your hopes. To know that there's a better life aside from being abused and hurt that we want to live too, we want to be survivors too. We want to see what all God has for us too. So I'm like, okay, if people are ashamed and don't want anybody to know, they want to pick up this book with this little girl on now that's going to tell the life story of a powerful God that led and guided her through so much that the biggest fight one of the biggest fights of her life was fighting against a man that was beating and hurting her. And this powerful God gave me the strength to survive and tell the story. He wants me to tell what he did and how he did it in my life. 
We are his ambassadors. And that's how we can let the world know he still exists behind the scenes. He's doing things that nobody can comprehend or understand because nobody knew that I was in that house with me and my children suffering all this. Nobody outside knew. I had no friends. The only close relative was my mom and my children and my sisters. And that didn't help. So I'm glad and thankful and grateful to tell people that God is still here and he never went anywhere. Sometimes we turn our back on him. We don't want to believe that he exists. Or like some people say, oh, to, to know him, you got to go through all this. You got to do all this. Oh, man, uh -uh, no, I ain't got time for that because I'm tired of hurting. It takes suffering to be a part of God and God be a part of my life. Oh, no, no, I don't want all of that. But I realized a long time ago when I had that mentality, I was still suffering. I was still going through some things. So I tell people this day and age now, I would rather go in a battle with God than to go in that battle by myself. Because <laughs> God has the power that I don't. He has the instructions that guides and leads us that I don't. It's time out for the pain and the hurt and the suffering. God knows us better than we'll ever know ourselves. And he loves us more than anybody. Sometime I walk outside and I'll talk to God and I can feel the love and the comfort. If y'all just let them in your hearts and in your minds, you'll be able to feel that too. If you don't feel it already. He wants us to serve him. And he ain't telling us to give up on life and give up on fun, joy, and happiness. I mean, goodness, me and my kids, we go see movies. We're, they, they grown, but we didn't went to see movies. We didn't went to see comedians. We didn't went to musical concerts. And I thank God for those events that we can still enjoy, to still live and breathe, and can still talk about them like I'm doing right now. My kids say, I don't have to keep telling them about God. I, I, I talked about it enough. <laughs> the Bible tells us. Uh, that God said, instruct our children so that they'll know about him from generation to generation. I want my family to know about the powerful father that saved me and still doing things for me and for them. Never knew my dad. I looked at a movie the other day where this little girl was like 15 years old and didn't even know her dad was still alive because her grandmother had lied and said either he was dead or he wasn't no good. It was one or the other. And when she found out, she wanted to go meet him and she started questioning him and he told the truth as best as he could, why he wasn't a good dad then, why he wasn't this and now he's sick, but he always loved her and he always cared about her. Where that bond started from right there, I taught my kids before they lost their dad and I said, if y'all want a relationship with y'all dad, that's y'all. You can have that relationship. I wouldn't stop them from that. Oh, he beaten, he hurt me, so... uh. Uh, uh, Y'all need to stay away from him. But I don't want him hurting them either. But see, now they're grown. 
and they can make their own decisions. And I'm sure they're not going to let them just come up there and hurt them because they're not under 18 now. You can't beat and abuse them anymore. So I'm saying do what's safe. I ain't saying take a little kid to a man that's abusing you while that kid is small. If you still going to do that, I suggest you do it safely. You go into a public place. This person meets you there. If uh, you want this person to talk to your child and you're unsure and you're unsafe, do not go anywhere near these people. Even in a public place with someone else and you can sense the vibe. That's that uh, uh, willpower and determination not determination. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm trying to think of the, the right word. Intuition. <laughs> that God has given us in our gut feeling to let us know, hey, wait a minute. Something ain't right. Don't ignore that. God protects us by warning us of things. Don't go that way. Don't do this. And we think it's us. Sometimes you drive it. And what happens, I know ministers and people have said this numerous times, but I've seen this my doggone self. I'm trying to go in one direction, and I'm like, oh, man, uh, I done made the wrong turn on the wrong street. And come to find out, something that happened on that street that blocked off, or something else happened on this area, in this location. You never know why you detour, but God knows why he detours us. So, this lady I spoke to giving me advice about my book, Shirley. I'm praying to God that the fears will go away. If there are books and instructions out there that can add comfort, God number one, and Jesus our Lord and our Savior, because God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they're all three are one. But to be able to pick up something and go somewhere to a library or somewhere in private and pick up something that you can read that would instruct you and let God minister to your mind and in your heart. Let the tears flow, but day by day he gives strength to, to read something else and then, then it gives you courage to do this and to take this little baby step and to do this little old thing and next thing you know he's giving you so much strength inside of you you're ready it, it was baby steps for me and when he made me strong enough to finally not take any of that crap that's where my real strength came from I don't know if I ever mentioned it, but I wrote it in my book that my husband took my car. I mean, me and my kids, we ride in the bus all the time. He's only one person. And the car that I got at first that God gave me, he took that. And I said, okay, you can go on and have that car. I ain't worried about it. I say, just teach me how to drive. And I said, God is going to give me my own car later on. I mean that. I said it, and I believed it. And he didn't even want to teach me how to drive. Finally, he taught me how to drive. My heart was beating like a basketball in my chest because I was scared to get behind the wheel. But I was like, I got to do this. You said you want to drive? Okay, drive. And he just put me in there and said, well, you want to drive? Just drive. Scary, but every lesson became better. 
and then better. Now I'm driving the car while he's drunk, and he puts me down about the driving, but I don't care. I drove around for four years, had never even had a license. I know I shouldn't be saying this, but they can't arrest me now, right? And the next thing that I know, I was like, I'm sick and tired of driving around with no driver's license. I want to do my driver's license. God is so amazing. I studied the book. And the first time I did the test, it was like 20 questions. I felt the majority of them. And that's, I forget, the first time I hit the pole. And the test was over before I even did anything else. I was like, oh, my goodness. But I kept my faith and my trust in God. And the same day I did the written test, they said I can wait another hour later, the same day, and do the test over again. I was like, I got to do it again. I got to do it again. I got to take this test because I, I, I want my driver's license. And the second test had 30 questions. I was like, Lord have mercy. It was more questions than the first one. And so I went on and did it. And what was making me smile when I hit the answer, correct, 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 <laughs> correct. And I passed the test on 30 questions and failed it on 20. I know there wasn't nobody but God. Because some of that stuff, I didn't even, I remembered some of them, but I wasn't exactly sure. And it took me two tries to get in between the pole. I think I did, but I wasn't straight enough. And I think they took a few points off of that. But thank God I got my driver's test. I mean, I got my driver's license at the age of 26. My husband started teaching me how to drive like 23, 24. So I know how powerful and beautiful God is. So when my husband took that car, the first car that was ever given to me with a driver's license, he stole the keys when I went there and he took it from me. And I called the police and I walked up on the porch with the police officer. The police officer knocked on the door. He did say it was community property, but I explained to him that I have kids, we stay in a shelter, and I need my car, and it was wrong for my husband to take uh, the car, and I just want the keys back. And my husband opens up the door, and he says, it's straight off in the officer. I ain't giving her this B, no keys, I ain't giving nothing. And, he, and the officer, he was very kind, and he says, sir, you will not disrespect this lady in front of me. I, and he asked him did, did, uh, to give me the keys, and I guess he wanted to get arrested. I don't know, because he wouldn't stop cursing. He wouldn't stop calling me names. The officer looked straight at me, and he said, ma'am, I can arrest him right now, and you can get the keys to the car. <laughs> In my mind, I'm like, oh, wow, I can get it just like that. But you know what? God didn't let me do that. I looked at the officer and I said, never mind, thank you, forget it. And I walked down the steps. He said, you sure? I said, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. I, I, I can't really believe I, I did that because I could have had the car right then and there. But for some reason, I didn't want to have him arrested. No matter what the heck he did to me, I didn't want to have him arrested, you know, just to get the car back. So it was like a whole day and a half 
I was in the neighborhood again with my family, with my kids, and someone said that my husband was back in the hospital. I'm like, huh? They said they didn't know what happened, but he was back in the hospital. And I still had a key to the front door of the house. And I saw my car on the side, and I was like, okay, thank you, Jesus. This is a way that I can get my keys back to the car and and, and then check and see how he's doing. I walked in the house with me and the kids. You know, we collected a few clothes and all that. It was filthy. I cleaned up the whole house, and then I went in the kitchen, and it's, it looked like he set up a fire. I forgot he cooked something, and he left it on the stove, and it burnt up part of the wall. But they said he had a seizure and he fell out. And I can't believe that that happened right the day after I just tried to get a car from him without having him arrested. One of the many other things that God showed me in my life by, I guess, showing mercy to my husband. He allowed me to get it. I mean, my husband wasn't seriously hurt at the time. He was just in the hospital. But that was enough time for me to get the keys and few things from the house and clean up the house for him a little bit and then go. But I couldn't find the keys. <laughs> I was like, Lord, have mercy. I could not find the keys at all. And I was like, he couldn't have taken them with him, right? And I didn't know. So I called one of those companies, you know, mobile car repair, whatever, to come out and make extra keys, copies for you. And they said I had to show my driver's license and I had to show proof uh, that the car was mine. And I showed the insurance card and I got three keys in case he tried it again. I'll always have two extra keys if necessary. And if I would have been patient long enough after I cleaned the restroom and his pants was behind the door in pants pocket. <laughs> there's the keys to the car. And I just spent this money to get the other keys. But I don't look at it as a bad thing. I was actually thankful to God uh, that I had the car back. And one more thing I'm going to let y'all know. And I'll get off from here just to show y'all the many miracles of a powerful God. I was at the shelter one day and I had this same car parked across the street. And for some reason my husband now wants to come up to the shelter just making appearances you know not really looking for me so I figured he was there to try to get the car back he made that whole effort to come to the shelter to get the car back but didn't make no effort to come to the shelter to you know like work things out if we was gonna do that and we go to counseling and he gets some help none of that so there was a young lady that was at the shelter that I was talking to and she saw me pacing back and forth, looking worried, scared, and she asked me what was wrong because she was used to seeing me smiling. And I explained to her what was going on. I said, that's my husband right there in the lobby. My car's across the street, and he probably has the key to that car. And if he wants to, he could get that car and just drive off with it. Because the people at the shelter told me they could not protect my car if it's across the street uh, away from the lot. It would have to be behind the gate and on the property. This young lady looked at me and she said, give me your keys. I said, huh? She said, give me your keys. She got my keys. She said, what car is yours? I said, it's that maroon car that's parked across the street. 
And I stood there in that lobby, glancing at my husband, not saying anything, but making sure he couldn't really see me. And I saw this young lady drive my car across the street, through the gate, safe on the property. And she brought me the keys. And I gave her the biggest hug and thank you that I could think of. So God uses other people to help you in circumstances. And I didn't see any of that coming. None of it. Beautiful, powerful, awesome, great, loving, caring, glorious, great God. Why wouldn't I praise him when he saved me and did so much for me and my children? So I say trust him. Let him lead, guide, direct, shield, and protect you and your family.